This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, thank you. Uh, we are starting today. We are discussing uh, Jewish meditation. And we are meditating about a prayer which is in the prayer book, which is from Tana de Be'eriahu, which is from a, an old text. And the, the prayer goes like this. Le'olam, which means forever, Le'olam. Yehe Adam, a person should be, a person should be a person who has fear or awe of heaven. Okay, so Yereshamayim. But sit there in private, as in public. Okay? So that's what we're going to meditate on now today. Forever a person should be Yereshamayim. Should be in awe of heaven. But sit there in private, as well as in public. The next sentence is a modeal So let's just take that first sentence first. What is Yirei Shamaim? Yirei Shamaim is a person who is aware of Hashem's presence everywhere they go. Yirei Shamaim is, Yirei Shamaim is, and that's a famous story, Rabbi Yisrael Salanta, he's on a cart with a horse, and the owner of the cart says, you know, my, my horse is hungry. I'm just going to run into the field over there and grab some hay. Just let me know if anyone's watching. And the owner of the horse stops the cart, runs into the field, get the hay, and Rabbi Yisrael Salanta starts screaming, somebody's watching, somebody's watching. The guy runs back, makes the horse gallop away, looks around and he says, I don't see anyone. Who's watching? Rabbi Yisrael Salanta says, Hashem is watching. So Hashem is watching us all the time. So Yeresh HaMayim, all of Hashem, implies that we are wide awake, we are wide aware of Hashem's watching us. And that's hard. That's so hard for us to visualize. You can think about it when we talk about it, but it's very hard to think about it all the time. And that's what Tanat Vilya was telling us. Le'olam. All the time. A person should be aware of Hashem's presence. That's so hard to do. A person's going to be aware all the time. Hashem's presence. We know the Jewish people in the desert, when they had, they saw, they saw the Amud Hana, they saw the pillar of cloud, and they saw at night the pillar of fire, and yet they had their moments when they discussed, they questioned, is God with us or not? So if that's hard for them to do when they see visually something exciting them, how much more so for us we don't see anything? So that's something which we have to all the time focus on. Le'olam adam, a person should always be, Yeresh a fearful of heaven which we have to talk about, all of Hashem, all the time, in private and in public. And so it doesn't matter how, whether a person is in private, doesn't matter if a person is in public, a person is going to be aware all the time of Yerat Shemaim, of the fear of heaven. And then it continues, and the person admits truth. He admits truth, which means a person keeps away from telling lies. So lies are anathema to Hashem. Hashem does not like lies. The question is, what is a lie? That's a question. What is a lie? Sometimes a lie is the mitzvah. If the Nazi come to your house and knock on the door and say, are you hiding any Jews here? And says, obviously, no, of course not. The mitzvah tell a lie. In other words, lies are not absolutes. Right? Uh, we can talk about that different places in the Torah. For example, Yaakov and Esau. Is that a lie? Is it not a lie? What do you say? I am Anochi Esau Bechorecha. I am your firstborn Esau. Is that a lie? Not a lie? Anyway, so that's the big question. There's a lie, and there's a bigger lie, and there's a smaller lie. Anyway, that's another question. So, Mordechai means a person admits the truth. And the truth is an absolute. Truth is an absolute. 
So it's very important to keep away from lies. A person who is a liar cannot get close to God. A person who is a liar cannot get close to God. So number one is Yirat Shemayim. What does Yirat Shemayim entail? One of the things it entails is not telling lies. Even though no one knows. No one, can, no one knows if you're telling lies. You know, I'll tell you what happened to me. At a, at a one, you know, America is a strange country. Why? Because there's such a concept as a resident alien. Right? You have a green card, you are called a resident alien. That's exactly the language from the Tanakh. Exactly the language which Abraham Avinu uses to Bnei Chet. Mm-hmm. I am a resident and an alien amongst you. I'm a resident alien. It's amazing. So the Americans took it from there. I don't know if they took it from there. The concept of a resident alien. So you have a green card. So what happened to me? I was at the airport. Coming back into this country, and I had forgotten my green card. Now, if you don't have your green card on you, they cause you trouble. Sarot. But I have a Canadian passport. So the guy, can imagine, I go to the airport, I land, I go to the passport control, I show my, my Canadian passport, and he says, where do you live? I said, I live here, I live in America. He said, where's your green card? I said, I forgot it. I forgot it at home, sorry. He said, well, why don't you just say that you live in Canada, and you won't have to worry about your green card, you won't have to do anything, you Just I'll just pass you right through. Imagine, he's telling me to tell a lie. This guy's telling me to tell a lie. And the truth is, it would be very convenient. Because what happened is, I said, listen, I'm not going to tell a lie. I don't know why. It's crazy. <laughs> I'm not going to tell a lie. So okay, go over there. Go to the passport, the, the, you know, the inspectors over there. Oh, gosh. I was by the inspectors over there. I had to pay a fine cash on, on the spot. They charge you. They charge to find you. They find the airline. I don't know what happened over there. I get involved. But just by saying a small lie, get off something. So a person, it's very easy to tell a lie. Sometimes you says you're allowed to tell a lie for shalom bite. A person's allowed to tell a lie for shalom bite. You know, if someone asks, if your wife asks you or the cook asks you, how's the food? It's fantastic. I mean, I tell a lie. you're allowed to tell a lie for the this sake of shalom bite. <laughs> okay, whatever it is. Um, it depends on the situation, obviously. But uh, you look, you look beautiful, my dear. As all these things are allowed for the sake of shalom bite. Shalom bite's allowed. So the question is, where do we draw the lines? Anyway. Ideally, we're talking about the ideal over here. The ideal is, Yerushimayim means to be fearful of Hashem, whether they're in private or in public. And that's, uh, the test is in private. The test is in private. The big test is in private. How we a person behaves in private, and that's going to be, you know, this is your life. A person goes to Shemaim after 120 years, they play the tape and say, ah, oh, public, you are fantastic. But what do you do in private? Oh, this is, uh, so a person's going to do Teshuvah and erase that tape. Now, we could do two, two levels of teshuva. There's teshuva me'ira, which is raising the tape, and there's teshuva me'ava, which is rewriting the tape. Because can rewrite the tape, make a better tape. And that's, that's the ideal scenario. Anyway, so we're just meditating on this phrase, the rabbi said. person should always be yireshimayim. It's very hard to be yireshimayim all the time. Yeah. We go ins and outs. Sometimes a person's motivated, yireshimayim. They heard a good dvasha, uh, they, they read uh, something words, they learn a musar, they get into Yerashamayim, but the rest of the time they're just off, so it's on, off, on, off. There's a peak time for Yerashamayim, there's a not peak time. It's amazing, even people in shul, there's no Yerashamayim, people are chatting. It's amazing. Hashem is right there. It's wild. Hashem is right there, in front of us. Hashem is here, right here. And even then, a person chit chats and we forget this concept. Hashem is there. So it's hard enough to have Yerat Shemayim in the shul, can you imagine? To have Yerat Shemayim in your own bedroom, in your own backyard, in your own house. It's 
very hot. It's very, very hot. It's very, very hot. Small example. The person says, you know, I had, I had chicken. I had chicken for lunch. And it's a hot day. Uh, let's imagine it's a hot day. Let's pretend. We're meditating. It's a hot day. And I would like this ice cream. I got ice cream in the freezer. Okay, no one's around. It's four hours already. Three hours. It's only chicken. It's only drabana. It's not the right It's from the rabbis. <laughs> and even if it was from the uh, meat, uh, it's all rabbinical anyway. So who's going to know? No one's going to know. So, so that's your mind. Your mind is what a person does in private. And everyone has the boundaries we talked about yesterday about free will. Everyone's free will is on a different level. So maybe when it comes to meat and milk, he's going to be strict. When it comes to something else, it's going to be lenient. So that's your mind. Your mind is what a person does. So Leolam, a person is going to try and f- meditate on Yerushalayim. So what is Yerushalayim? Yerushalayim is to meditate that Hashem's presence is right here now. That's what Yerushalayim is. Yerushalayim is a person always aware that Hashem is watching. Hashem is there. Hashem's presence is there. There's always, obviously, a, a good part of it and a bad part of it. The bad part of it is you wouldn't, you wouldn't speed if a cup is in your rear window, unless you're crazy. You see the cup in your uh, mirror, and the guy's speeding. I was actually driving once to <laughs> the Poconos. Yeah, okay. I see the cup. So I slow down straight away. So now there's three lanes on the highway, and the highway's empty. And there's a car in the fast lane. He's in the fast lane. And he's going at 60 miles an hour speed limit. He's going 61 miles an hour. And the cop is right behind him. He's an idiot. Move away to the side. The cop's in the fast lane. He's in the fast lane. There's no one around. Go to the right. No. He's insisting to stay in the fast lane. There's a cop behind him. He's going 61 miles an hour. The cop stops him. I don't know what happened. I didn't stay around to watch. Flashing lights. They go to the side. I can imagine he's going, he's going over the speed limit. Now, if he didn't just move it out of the way, I'm sure the cop would have just gone straight and ignored him. He's only going one mile over the speed limit. But the fact is, he blocked him. He's blocking the car. I don't know what kind of ticket he gave him. I don't know what he told him. Uh, the guy's going to say, listen, my speedometer said 60. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you what he's going to say. He's going to say, my speedometer is 60. My speedometer is wrong. Probably it's one hour, one mile an hour. But I'm just saying, that's the idea. The idea is, if you see a cop behind you, you move out of the way. A person knows Hashem is watching, and that's your actual mind. And a person will behave very well. It doesn't matter where they are, they're going to behave very well. So that's how we have to get ourselves to that level of this idea, pervasive idea of Hashem is watching. Hashem is with us all the time. Now the good part of that is, it also acts, Hashem is my shield, David HaMelech says. David HaMelech says, Magen um, David, we talk about Magen David, Abraham Avinu. Hashem tells Abraham, he says, don't be scared, Abraham. Ani Magen Lach, I am your shield. What is the difference between a shield? So we say in the Shemona Esrei, Melech, Ozer, Umoshia, Umagen. Melech is a king. Have you ever tried to get close to a king? You try calling up uh, Donald Trump and say, I want to come and talk to you. Hello, hello, you know, love deal between a king and Donald Trump, but you try and get hold of him. Can't get hold of him. King. Hashem is a king. Try and get hold of the king. Impossible. Ozer, a helper. Okay, helper. Like a plumber, electrician. You've got to call them, make an appointment. They'll come within 24 hours if you're lucky. Moshia, a Moshia is an ambulance, 911. You call 911, they come straight away. The best is a Magen. A Magen is with you all the time. A shield is with you 24 hours a day. 24 7 a shield is with you. So that's where we have to get to the level, to so the different levels. The person says, you know, Hashem is my king. Hashem is a king. He's in his palace somewhere. He's far away from me. So that's a lower level. It's interesting. It's a lower level. It's a higher level in terms of Hashem, but it's a lower level in terms of my connection to Hashem. Ozer, he's a helper. 
but he's not here 24 hours a day. Moshiach, he's, he's, uh, he's a savior. He's like the ambulance. But again, he's not here 24 hours a day. When you call him, he's here. Magen is, Hashem is with us 24-7. That's very, very critical. And that's what we're talking about. Le'olam Yadam Yerushimayim means I believe Hashem is with me 24-7 and the way I behave is very critical. That gives me Yerushimayim. The way I behave, my... And the Chavetz Chaim is very big on that. Chavetz Chaim is very strict about how you change your clothes when going to bed and when you wake up in the morning. He says to change even one socks under the blanket. Chavetz Chaim. Mishnah Baruch. Why? Hashem is watching. Hashem's presence is there. It's probably we're a bit more lenient, but it's a very, very hard call. It's very, how do you change in your own bedroom? How do you behave in your own private room? That's your Jemaim. That's how a person knows they have your Jemaim. When people are watching, it's not your Jemaim, it's your Anoshim. And that's what Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, right? We just did the Gemara, right? Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai is dying. The Gemara in Brachot says. And his students come to him and say, Rabbi, give us a bracha before you go. And he says, may your fear of God be like the fear of man. I said, what? That's it? He said, halavai. Halavai, we should have Yerat Shemayim like we're scared of doing things in front of people. Halavai. That our fear of God would be like the fear we have of, of when people are watching us. So people are watching us. You're not going to rob the bank when people are watching. Right? It's not going to rob the bank. People watch. Oh, well, maybe you would. If he has a gun and other things. But normally, no. It's the same thing. We should... Always be worried. Hashem is watching. Hashem is watching. Hashem is watching. So that's Yerat Shemayim. In private as well as in public. Modeh al Agree with the truth. So the fear of Hashem is what a person says. So a con artist has definitely no Yerat Shemayim. Lies are his business. All he does is lives on lies. So a person should not live on lies. A person should try and be truthful as much as possible within the boundaries of Shalom Bayit and other boundaries uh, a person try and be truthful as much as possible. And it's very hard to be truthful all the time. It's very hard. Sometimes with a white lie, you can get away with something. It's very hard to be truthful. Especially in today's society. And we say this in our prayers on Yom Kippur. If you go to the Beit of Basar Vadam, if you go to the court in Highland Park, and you say you're guilty, oil over, oil and offshore, woe to the person and woe to his soul. He said, you're guilty, you're finished. That's it. If you go to God in the Beit of Bashamayim and you say, God, I'm not guilty, what's him and what's his soul? It's the opposite. Hashem, you can't lie to. With the court, you know, we, get, we hire a lawyer, you get a best lawyer, and the best lawyer tells you what to say. Total fabrication, get off. You go to Shamayim with the best lawyer, there's no best lawyer. What's the best lawyer of Shamayim? The best lawyer of Shamayim is your good deeds. Because, because these, the Torah, they learn, the, the deeds they do, that's, that's their lawyer. So it's very important to tell the truth. In front of God, there's no lies. Hashem knows what's, what's truthful, what's not truthful. And therefore, a person is going to think, Hashem is watching, I can say the truth. That's it. So that is, That's the next highest level. Oh boy. To speak the truth in one's heart, that's the highest level. Well, so, you know what, I want to be civil. I want to say the truth because I'm not going to say the truth. I'm going to just want to be civil, but I don't really mean it. It says, even right? In one's heart, because going to say the truth. Anyways, Hashem knows our thoughts, and Hashem knows, okay, so a person has, for example, 
a person goes uh, Shabbat. He goes he goes to shul. So he goes, I don't really care about Shabbat. People are watching me right now, so I'll pretend. So it's truthful. I'm keeping Shabbat truthfully. Keep Shabbat. But in my heart, I wish I wasn't. In my heart, I wish I was somewhere else. Or right now, there's a minyan going on. I'll pray with them, but I don't really. My heart's not in it. So it says, be truthful inside and outside. So it's some, so now the question is, what about hypocrisy? Someone came to me, is, is, uh, who cares about these things? The young people. The young people are very much into not being a hypocrite. So this guy, this kid came to me, he was 18 years old, he was a college kid. And I actually talked about, so I talked about something like this on Yom Kippur. He came on Yom Kippur. He doesn't come every day. And then he started coming on Kiddush. He started coming on Kiddush on Shabbat. And then he tells me, Rabbi, he says, I don't know if I should still come to Kiddush. I said, why? I feel like a hypocrite. Because I don't really come because I want to be in the shul to pray. I come because of the food. I come for the hevra. I come for the social. Shall I come or not come? I said, come. Obviously, you have to come. But we're talking about the higher levels of service of Hashem, obviously. The higher levels of service of Hashem, a person's actions and heart should be in tune. And who knows? Only God knows. Hashem only knows. And that's also a sign of Yerat Shemayim. A person says, you know what? Hashem knows what I'm thinking. Let me put my heart into it. So even though I'm doing the action, let me focus my thoughts as well on the action as well. <coughs> so that's Yerat Shemayim inside. So that's a very important meditation over here. It's in the Siddur, right at the beginning of the Siddur, Le'olam, Yadam, Yerat Shemayim, Pasadik. spend a few minutes thinking about that. What does that mean, that God is here? It means Hashem is here. Hashem is here. How should my behavior be altered if Hashem is here? And only how should my behavior be altered? How should my thoughts be altered? Right? Imagine a person has pure thoughts. It's a big thing in today's society. Pure thoughts. I don't want to trick. I don't want to steal. Right? What does Avinu Melech say in Psalm 24? Everyone knows Psalm 23. Psalm 24. We say every Sunday. Who will climb the mountain of God? Who will stand up there? It's hard enough to climb the mountain. Yeah, people climb Mount Everest, but they can't stay up there. It's a rarefied, rarefied atmosphere. You can't stay up there. There's no oxygen. Same thing applies to God's mountain as well. Right? Who can climb the mountain of God? Okay, climb. Sadiqim can climb the mountain of God. You're righteous. You can climb the mountain of God. But who can stay up there? Who? What are the qualities of staying up there? Niki kapai, clean hands. It doesn't mean washing hands when they throw out your life. Clean hands means... He didn't take anything, didn't touch anything that's a long time. Things which are not legal didn't come into my hands. That's clean hands. How many people can say, my hands are clean? How many people can truly say, my hands are clean? I didn't touch anything which is forbidden. Can be uh, any kind of prohibited touch. Any kind of prohibited touch. Right? Clean hands, and a pure heart. What's a pure heart? Pure heart is nothing illegal in one's head. I'm talking about uh, I'm talking about the Jewish illegal. Nothing illegal in my head. The person says, you know what? And that's the uh, famous uh, Mishnah in Pirkei right? Uh, Rabbi Yochan Bezaki asks his students, his five students, what is the best trait? What is the best trait? Levtov. What is a levtov? A levtov at a bar levav is very similar. Good heart. Always wanting good about people. Always wanting good. No jealousy. There's no uh, desire of other people's things. It's a pure heart. Person with pure heart. I just want to give. I love people, I give them people, I want to make people happy, that's a, that's a good heart. And I knew people of the old generation, my aunts were amazingly good-hearted, amazingly good-hearted. 
They may not have been the most religious people, but they had a tremendously good heart. I mean, I can't believe what a good heart. They would give you the shirt off their back. For, that's a good heart. And that's Barlevav, a pure heart. A person doesn't think about schemes, of scheming and trying to take away this from someone, and that from someone being jealous of this guy, jealous of that guy. Pure heart. That's a very important So these are all meditations. Suppose you meditate on this and take some time thinking about it. The trouble is, praying with a minyan is so hard. Because there's no time to meditate, really. Basically, it's just, before you know it's gone, it's, it's over. Some minyanim are shorter than others. Shorter than others. Some minyanim take more time. But this is that's why it says the Talmud says that the early pious ones would meditate an hour before the prayers, and that's the key, to come early, and say these things and meditate, and then pray the Shmona Esrei with the community, and this way you're filling everything properly. Suppose you come early to the Pilah, think about, or even start at home. Start at home. And think about it. That's what the early pious ones did. So, Yira, fear of Hashem, inspiring awareness of Hashem's presence. Now, we think of it as just a frame of mind. Truth is, it's reality. It's a reality that we can't see. That's the problem. The problem is, we can't see reality. We are living in surreality. Our sight is blocked. The classic example is Hagar. Hagar is in the, in the desert with her son. Her son is dying. She can't even see. It doesn't say Hashem created a well. It says the angel came and opened her eyes and she saw the well. The well was there all the time. There's many things in our lives which are there that we can't see. It's tragic. It's tragic. We're blind. Right? Sometimes a person has troubles, problems, and they can't see someone else. You need to go to someone else and ask for advice because sometimes... The cure is right there in front of you. That's why we go to doctors, because the cure is right there. You just, you just don't have the cure. Or you go to someone else, you find the cure. So it's important. So it's important to know that the cure can be right there. A person's going to know the cure can be right there. So, uh, that's, so the reality of the situation is there is God. There is a God. And God is right there. God is, right. God is, God is with us. Hashem is with us all the time. Hashem is with us. So that's the reality. It's amazing. So how do you get to that reality? And the answer is only if you make it part of your thoughts. If you think about Hashem, then Hashem becomes real for you. If you don't think about Hashem, Hashem is not real for you. It's very simple. You can't see Hashem. There's no way you can see Hashem. But you can be aware of Hashem. How do you become aware of Hashem? Only by pondering Hashem and thinking about Hashem can you be aware of Hashem. And then a person is going to work on that, making that awareness a reality for them. It's a totally different living. There's two people living, neighbors. One has God on his mind, and one has no God on his mind. So one lives a godly life, and one lives a non-godly life. Now, sometimes the lives can be very similar. This guy's ethical, and this guy's ethical, hopefully. Hopefully. They're both ethical. Right? So the trouble is, this guy's ethical not because he believes in God. He's not doing a mitzvah because he's ethical. He's, he's a humanist. But he's not doing a mitzvah because he's ethical because he's humanist. He doesn't want to do bad because other people might do bad to him. Don't do others what do others do to you. It's a lower level. Okay. But when it comes to morality, that's, that's what you see today. Morality just falls apart. Where there's no fear of God, there's no morality. Where do we see this? It's in the Torah. Exactly, exactly right. When, when Abraham goes to Mitzrayim, he tells his wife, tell lies. Tell everyone, you're my brother, you're my sister. So, I'm your brother. So, why? It's not your actual name. When he goes to the Pelishtim, 
tell lies. Just tell everyone you're my, you're my, you're my sister. Why? There's no reaction mind. So when it comes to ethics, maybe there is ethics. But when it comes to morality, everything falls apart. There's no Yerat but everything falls apart. And we're seeing this today. Because there's no Yerat So people can do whatever they want in their bedrooms. No problem. So it's very, very critical. Number one is to let God into your life by thinking about Hashem and making Hashem into a reality for yourself. Because first it starts as surreality. Hashem is Yahweh. So the kids learn in school, Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is truly everywhere. Up, down, right? Right, left, all around, right? This way, they, it's something to grasp onto for a kid. And then when they grow up, they say, well, where is he? I can't see him. Rabbi, where is Hashem? Tell me, where is he? So the answer is, he's everywhere and nowhere. How do we know he's nowhere? Because David Amelov says, I never from where will come my help? From nowhere will come my help. I is nowhere. From nowhere will come my help. What is he saying? Does he say help will not come? Or is he saying Hashem is nowhere and that's where my help will come from? May I in your voice read. From where will from nowhere will come my help? From nothingness will come my help, because Hashem is nothingness. <coughs> Hashem is not physical, he's nothingness. As far as we can say he's nothingness, physicality is nothing. But my help will come from a nothingness. Hashem, Hashem is no, he's nowhere, he's everywhere, nowhere. So we have to find him. We find him by letting him into our lives. So that's very critical. Is this meditation of Yirat Shemaim? The meditative Yirat Shemaim is Hashem is here right now, watching what we're doing right now, and to make that from a meditation of surreality into a re- meditation of reality. To feel, start feeling Hashem is with me. To feel Hashem is watching me. Hashem is with me. So it's very critical. And that's what David Abelov says in Psalm 23. Even though I walk through a valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. He didn't say, maybe you're with me. He, said, he didn't say, where are you? He didn't say, uh, I can't see you. He says, you are with me. I know you are with me. Now, it's interesting because what's his proof that Hashem is with him? What was his proof that Hashem is with him? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's, it's, very, it's very strange. You know? How do I know you're with me? You're with me. Why? Because I see your rod and I see your staff. So the rabbi said, what is the rod and what is the staff? He said, the rod is the rod plus it gets hurt. That's a rod. I see there is hashgacha in this world. I see divine providence in this world in my own life. I do something bad, the rod. And the staff, I feel sometimes you're pulling me in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. It was the rod. Uh, the staff is what the, the shepherds used. They had a crook at the end. Uh, you know, a crook is a bent part to pull the sheep. So they catch the sheep's neck and pull it. So Hashem said, David said, I know you're with me because I feel sometimes the rod and I feel your staff pulling me sometimes. So that's the proof. How do you see God? You have to see God in your life. You have to see which way Hashem is leading you. It's a hard time sometimes. But it's going to think. What does Hashem want from me? Where is Hashem leading me? How does these events play out? And it's all about events which are beyond your control. Because events with your control, that's you. <laughs> that's your free will. Events which are beyond your control, let me give you an example. I had a case of a, of a family which is slowly becoming Balichuba. Had them over for Shabbat, and they were getting into it, and really. What happened was a terrible test. Which I don't know if I'd pass up a test. What happened was they had removed the oil tank from their house. 
but they, the, the, the pipe stuck, stuck out. And an oil delivery service came and delivered oil to the wrong house. To their house, which had no tank, but they had the pipe still stuck out. Imagine. And delivers oil, and their whole basement area is all now full of oil. The whole ground is full of oil. They had to move out of the house and have remedials and things done to their property. They were on the verge of committing themselves to keeping Shabbat. I didn't see them again. They moved somewhere else. Six months. When they came back, they were... The test was too great for them. Too great a test. I don't know if it's too great for them. But you see, sometimes things happen in a person's life. A person's going to think, what does Hashem want from me? What is He doing this to me? A person gets sick. So a person's going to think, what is Hashem? This is the rod and the staff that we have in our lives. Sometimes things that go well with a person. A person loses their job, they find a better job. So you got the rod and the staff pulled in a certain direction. So a person's got to keep thinking because that's what Hashem is knocking on the door. When things happen to the person out of their control, Hashem is knocking on the door. So Hashem is with us all the time. A person's got to keep thinking Hashem is with us all the time. And that's awe of Hashem. That's Yerei Shemai. A pervading awareness of Hashem's presence. Agreeing with the truth is Havdalah, separating from lies. And speaking sincerely is uniting one's heart and one's mind. So uniting one's heart and mind. So those are the three stages mentioned in this, in this say, right? Number one is Yerashimayim. Um, and admit the truth, which means keep away from lies. But the very admit And have truth in his heart and his mind. Three different stages. And Hashem resides where a person removes their ego. And that's what awareness is about. Why do people deny God? Because if I admit there's a God, I have to admit that I am number two instead of number one. Right? I have to listen to someone, another power. People do not want to give in to a different power. People want to run their lives the way they like their lives. If I believe there's a God, especially if I believe God has given us a Torah, and i got all these rules now. It's too hard for me to accept all these rules. My ego stands in the way and therefore I will, cannot accept the rules. I cannot accept as a God. Yes. Yes. And there's a psalm for them as well. The psalm for them is Hashem David says, I called out to you from the depths, Hashem. So a person in the depths have got to know. Just like there's a God for those who are high, there's a God for those who are low as well. So even better. It's even better. Why? There's no ego blocking them. What's blocking them? Their own self-esteem. But there's a God out there. God can pull them up from the depths. So it's very important. Especially when a person is knocked down. When a person is down and out. To remember there is a higher authority who you can appeal to to pull them out of their depression. Pull them out of their troubles. And that's David Amir says. Can you imagine? We have no idea what it's like to be David Amir before he's a king. right? Here he was, the youngest son of Yishai. And Yishai disowned him as a son. How do we know he disowned him? Because when the prophet Shmuel comes and says, Yishai, you have any more children? Uh, yeah, I do. I have one more kid. You mean he's my kid? He's your kid. You have any more kids? He's your kid. Bring him here. Yishai says, he's my kid? I didn't think he was my kid. We don't know what it's like to be David Amir, an outcast, 
from an early age, thrown into the fields. Imagine a little kid thrown into the fields to be a shepherd. Lions come, bears come. He's he's the son of a of a very very wealthy person thrown into the fields. What does that other man have to do? He could have crashed completely. Hashem, I called out to you. And if you look, read Tehillim, it's really a prayers of people, person in the depths. Really, a lot of the a lot of the Tehillim are just so poignant. He's running away from his son. His son is trying to kill him. What is he doing? Help me, Hashem. That's what Tehillim is all about. Tehillim is definitely for a person in trouble. Well, a lot of the Tehillim, except for the Hallelujahs, which is on a high level person who thinks are going well and they can praise God with all their hearts but a lot of the theory is about people who are low and it's a benefit to be low why? because there's no ego it's a benefit, it's a higher level, it's amazing a, a person who's afflicted really can get to Hashem very quickly a person not afflicted, that's trouble, that's why troubles happen to a person, is because Hashem says your ego is stopping me from connecting to you I want to lower your ego a little bit this happens not just with God, it happens with relationships as well it's the ego that stops the husband talking to his wife nicely. It's the ego to the wife stopping her talking to nice. They can't get along. They're both big egos. On the other hand, if there's no self-esteem, everything crashes as well. So there's a combination of here. So let me ask you a question. What is the difference between ego and self-esteem? So it's a very, very important idea. It's very, very... I came across it by, by after many years of study. Unfortunately, no, I didn't get it straight away. So everyone needs self-esteem. We all need self-esteem. What is self-esteem? Self-esteem is a little bit of ego, right? Uh, I, I know my powers. I know my abilities. That's a little bit of ego there. Um, and the answer is, you're right. It's ego, but it's... A person says, I can do it. But Hashem gave me the ability. That's humility. Ego is, I can do it. Period. That's it. I am the, I, I'm the control. Self-esteem is, I can do it. But I have to realize where that came from. And that's Hashem. And that's what humility is. So humility is not, I can't do it. Humility is not, I'm useless. No one is useless. Everyone has their strengths. And that's something which we have to teach. Everyone needs self-esteem. But humility is that self-esteem with the knowledge that Hashem gave me that ability. And that's humility. That's where humility is. And that was David Amelech. And that's what David Amelech's name. The Dalit stands for Dalut. Dalit stands for Dalut, which is humility. That at the end was humility. In the middle was a vav pointing upwards. Hashem, my power comes from, comes from you. So that's a very important. The, the, Dali, David, the, the letters itself is his name. Dalit is Dalut. And two Dalits. And the middle is the vav which points upwards. Everything came from you, Hashem. Okay, I just want to go through a very, very amazing Talmud Yushalmi. Talmud Yushalmi in Brachot. Very, very fascinating. Three rabbis... In, the, in this Gemara, in Talmud Yerushalmi, say, we only had Kavanah once in our lives. Can you imagine that? Three great rabbis say, we only had Kavanah once in our lives when we prayed. Kavanah, what's Kavanah? Concentration, focus. We only had Kavanah once in our lives when we prayed. And then the rabbi tells you what Kavanah he had, which is also very strange. You see the Kavanah we're going to talk about. So we have a major question. How can it be that the rabbis in the Talmud Yerushalmi, on which we said these rabbis had the power of Tiatametim, the power they had divine inspiration, how could these rabbis only say that they had Kavanah once in their lives when they prayed? They never focused once 
Only once in their lives they focused on the tefillah. So here he has a very interesting explanation. And that explanation is they didn't need to have kabana. Their whole life revolved around God. Their minds were totally full of God because they had Yerat Every second was Yerat And therefore their prayers were always full of Yerat Only once in their lives did their focus be lost and they needed to get to Kavanah to get this focus back. Great, it's a great explanation, right? Only once in their lives they need Kavanah to get back. So it was three great rabbis, each imagine, in their lives they never lost focus on Hashem. Always focus on Hashem, focus on Hashem, focus on Hashem. That's called Dvekut. Dvekut is clinging to Asha, being stuck to Asha. So that was these rabbis all had, had Dvekut. But one issue happened in their lives where they lost their Dvekut. Maybe they lost a relative, maybe an accident happened, maybe the Vedimina was destroyed. Something happened that caused them to break that Dvekut and they needed Kavanah to get it back. Okay. So the word Kavanah comes from which is to direct, to direct and focus one's mind for prayer. So that's only necessary when your mind is not focused. When you need kavana, when your mind is not focused. A person with dvekut, a person who is aware of Hashem's presence, does not need kavana. Because they're aware of it. It's, it's right there. It's, it's ubiquitous. It's, it's, it's right there. So we only need kavana when a person is not in a frame of mind that knows that there's Hashem there. That's when you need kavana. So it's a very, very fascinating so these rabbis, and let me tell you what their kavanot were. Very, very strange kavanot. So one occasion where they did have to focus their minds on lessons on how to concentrate for us if our mind is unfocused. Each rabbi had a different method, most suited for them. Everyone has their own method. That's a trick. The trick is that only you know what can focus your mind. I can't tell you. I can give you different opinions. I can give you, give you different methods. But you have to know what works for you. I can't tell you what's going to work for you. You have to know what works for you because you have to try out all these different things and see what works for you. So I'm going to give you different opinions, different ideas over here. So one rabbi, what works for him was he thinks he's going to stand before a king, a physical king, just like the, the statement of Rabbi Yochanan Zakkai when he's dying, he's crying. They said, well, Rabbi, why are you crying? He said, if a person was going to go for judgment before a king of uh, flesh and blood, who today is here, tomorrow is not here, and the punishment is not forever, and he's scared. How much more so I should be scared of a king of kings who is here forever, and his punishment is forever. So a person says, I'm going to go and talk to the king of kings. I'm going to get into a framework of going for an audition, for a meeting with the king of kings. That's So that brought his mind back to focus on Hashem. That's number one. Number two, this is more metaphoric. The second rabbi says, I focused on flying birds. To get my kavanah, I focused on flying birds. You see the birds take off from the ground. It's amazing how fast they can go. It's amazing. It's really amazing. The power of their wings, it's, it's baffling. It's can you imagine ancient man looking at the birds and saying, I wish I could do that. And they're all making the wings and it. See the guys flying off the buildings and then they fall flop to their death straight away. Our bodies are just too heavy. Our wings, the, we don't, even if we have wings, we can't move our hands. We don't have the power to lift off. So, can you imagine? So the rabbi says, I watch birds taking off. What's that going to do with prayer? What's it going to do with Hashem? It's a metaphor for angels. 
angels have wings, apparently. What does that mean? They don't have wings, they don't have anything, you can't see them. But Yeshayahu and Avi saw them in his vision, and he saw them with six wings. Shnaim lechazopanav, two to cover his face. Shnaim raglav, two to cover his legs, and two to fly with. Angels have six wings. Two to cover themselves, four to cover themselves, and two to fly with. Whatever that means. But we see that there's an analogy over here. I looked at the birds flying, and I thought of spiritual thoughts. The birds' flight reminded me of angels, and the angels reminded me of God. And that's why I could pray. So meditating on birds, winged ones, brought into meditation about heavenly beings, and the meditation of heavenly beings brought this rabbi closer to God. So that's the second meditation. The third meditation is more strange. You know, it's interesting because in this room there's no, you can't see bricks. Well, I can see just two rows on top. This room was all brick. It's all brick before we put the, the, the bookcases in. The main sanctuary is all brick. So this meditation is just for that. If you have a sanctuary with brick, this works for you. The third rabbi counted rows of bricks in a wall to get his meditation back. Baffling. He's counting the rows of bricks. One, two, three, four. What does that mean? Rows of bricks in the wall, he's focusing on the barriers between him and Hashem. We have to realize that between us and God are barriers. A lot of these barriers are self-built. We build our own barriers sometimes. Sometimes society builds the barriers. These barriers are rows and rows of bricks. So he's looking at them. Why can't I focus today? He's examining all the barriers in his life which are stopping him from focusing. Those are the rows of bricks. So he's looking at the periphery which is stopping him. And, and that's his ego. Plus his ego is stopping him. Already. Those, that ego is the rows of bricks which are surrounding the person and we've got to count the rows and then try and demolish them one by one. So let's just go through these three different meditations. Number one is comparing Hashem to a king. Right? So I'm going to speak now to a king. I've got to prepare myself. I've got to act in a nice way. I've got to clear my mind because when I speak, you know, last night I was listening to the radio, one of the radio news stations, and the woman who was talking, the announcer, she was what's called Migam Gim. What's Migam Gim? She was... Uh, Stammering. Well, it wasn't really a stammer. It just wasn't fluent. It wasn't flowing. Either she was tired or she was drunk. I don't think she was drunk. I think she was tired. I really think she, I don't think she was drunk because she was making sense. She was saying things which made sense. But the flow, I mean, these guys are chosen for their flow. That's what makes them a news, a news announcer because they're chosen for their flow. And the flow was not there. I mean, she was talking about the helicopter crash. So I guess she didn't have that, uh, the words in front of her. To, she was making it up as she went along and she was stammering away. Interesting. So that could be a problem when a person prays to Hashem. Rav Hanina ben Dosa, the great Rav Hanina ben Dosa, it says, everyone would come to him to pray for them. And Hanina would say, you, this one's going to live and this one's not going to live. He knew. And they asked him, how do you know which prayer is effective? He says, if it flows from my mouth nicely, I know it's going to be effective. If somehow I can't say it properly, I know it's not going to be effective. What does that mean? It means, and this is halakha in the Shulchan Aruch for the Chazan, before the holidays, he has to practice his prayers so the words will flow fluently from his mouth. And that's something which we have to do as well. We have to realize when we pray, 
The words have to flow fluently from my mouth. And that's the first covenant. I'm standing before a king. I have limited time. The words have to flow. I have to know what I'm saying. I have to, med- I have to think what I'm saying. That's only if you have covenant. If you have covenant, everything flows. But if you don't have covenant, my my opponent is thinking about his business. My opponent is thinking about his business. My opponent is thinking about this. Right? I'm not talking about a person who has a, has a mouth defect. I'm talking about a regular person who can talk nicely, but he didn't prepare himself. What am I going to say? So that's why the rabbis wrote the prayer book. Why the rabbis had to write prayer book? You know what to say. You know what you need, right? We'll have to tell you what you say because you don't pray for the right things or you don't know what you're saying. So that's what I mean by straightening out. So, for example, Shema Koleinu. You can put it whatever you want, Shema Koleinu. What am I going to tell God? What am I going to ask for God? How do people think before they pray? These are the things I need in my life. These are the things I need for Klal Yisrael. These are the things. That's why, that's exactly why the rabbis had to write down. So, that's the preparation. So I'm going before a king. I need to not dream. You can't dream before a king. That's a, that's a problem. The problem is a lot of people just dream when they pray. They're daydreaming. They're not really praying. They're, their minds are not there. And that's like a body without a soul, he said. Chobar Levovot says, a prayer without kavanah is like a body without a soul. And we know what that means. It's like a dead person, basically. So it's a dead prayer. So how does a person make the prayer alive? So his trigger was, well, imagine I'm talking before a king, a living king. And this way, that makes my prayer come alive. The second method was, he watched the birds taking off. So thinking about angels. It's, I'm thinking about spiritual beings. Because apparently our, the angels are the ones who transmit our prayers above if there's no minyan. Right? And that's why you've got to pray. It's ironic. Without a minyan, you need to pray in Hebrew. With a minyan, you don't pray in Hebrew. It's, it's ironic. The third rabbi figured out there's bricks in front of you. I need to break through the barriers of the bricks. I just want to tell you what the Shulchan Aruch says. Which is very interesting because this is in the Shulchan Aruch. Okay, this is in the Shulchan Aruch. So Shukran says, A person should wait one hour before they pray in order to have kavana in their hearts. Hard to imagine, right? This is Halakha and Shukran. How many people really... So you can say, Shacharit, okay. Shacharit, there's a lot of different prayers before the Shemun Asrei. So that's the one hour. It's not really one hour. It's more like 20 minutes. There's prayers before you get to Shemun These prayers are meant to get you in the frame of mind. But Mincha, it's just Ashrei. No. One hour before Mincha, you've got to start thinking about Mincha. And, he says, and one hour after the prayers. In other words, a person shouldn't just say, you know, I prayed, finished, it's over, goodbye, see ya, run away. Let it soak into one's consciousness. Imagine, this is Halakha and Shulchan Aruch. You never, never see anyone do this. A person should not just leave and run away like a person running, who's just running away. It happens all the time. It's right, prayers are over, let's run. A person should not pray unless they have humility. You should remove the ego. Not through lightheadedness and not through laughter. Not through vanities of speech and not through anger, only through simcha, joy, which we are going to talk about next week. Joy. 
What do you get joy? Joy is when the Torah says Hashem redeemed us from Egypt. Because she's like, wow, we the slaves and Hashem redeemed us. So, I'm so happy, Baruch Hashem, like Pesach. It's so good to feel like Hashem is powerful, Hashem can redeem. If Hashem can redeem them, He can redeem me as well. That's the joy we're talking about, the joy of redemption. A person who feels some joy of redemption in their lives. Or the joy of Ashrei, which David Amel says, Ashrei Yishevetecha. Happy are they who sit in your house. Joy, Hashem. I'm sitting in your house. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm close to you. That's, that's the happiness a person is going to enter with it before praying to Hashem. Okay. And so there's many halakhot regarding prayer, which is amazing. Now he comes to Kavala. This is in Siman Sadiqet in Shulchan Aruch in Arachayim. Mipales Haresh Yechaven Libo. The person's got to have concentration. Here's the word Kavana. People don't realize Kavana is, means meditation. Kavana doesn't just mean to straighten your mind, it means to meditate. Yeah, Ari Kaplan has a book called Jewish Meditation. He says we have lost the meaning of these words. Because we take it, we say it so frequently, we just don't realize what they mean. Lechaven means to direct one's mind. Which is meditation. One's going to meditate. So the Shukhanah say, when a person prays, he has to meditate with his heart. What does he have to meditate on? Perusha milot. The meaning of the words. The person's going to say the meaning of the words. Got to think of the meaning of the words. And then, he's got to think as if the Shekhinah's presence is right there facing him. That's very hard to figure. As we talked about first, Yerash Shemayim, so the person's, Hashem's presence is there all the time. I was going to think when I'm praying, Hashem is right here listening to me. You know, it's so hard because I'll tell you why. Most people don't believe Hashem is there. I'd say 99%. I don't know. I'm just thinking about myself. So I'm saying, I'm, I'm a, I'll take myself as one uh, 90%. I know. So 99% of people don't think of Hashem as being there. How do you know? Because when they're praying, they're worried. They're praying to the King of Kings. And they're thinking about their problems at the same time. One second. Why am I thinking of my problems when the person to address my problems to is right here? The person who can solve all my problems is right in front of me, so why do I have to think about my problems and my worries when here's the solution in front of me? So that means if I'm not thinking of it as a solution, I don't believe that Hashem is there. Or, which is more likely, I believe Hashem is there. I just don't believe He's listening. Or, I don't believe He's going to give it to me. So all these things can stop a person's prayers from going up. It was the, our way we pray and our belief system is very important in terms of whether prayer will be effective or not. A person believes Hashem is there, well, that's 30% of the problem. Hashem, a person believes Hashem is listening, 30%, 33, 33 and a third, okay. A person believes Hashem is good and Hashem will give if he wants to. That's another 33%. Those are the thirty checklist. Do I believe Hashem is there? That's something I got to work on. Hashem is there. Hashem is right in front of me, listening to me. Do I believe that Hashem is listening to me? Yes, I believe Hashem is there listening. So why am I worrying? Why do I have these thoughts in my head? While I'm praying, I'm worried about this and worried about this. You know, sometimes the prayers cause more worry. Why? Because I'm saying Rifa'enu and then I'm saying all the list of all the poor sick people. That's not. The mind diverts itself to, oh, this person's really sick, I really worry about this person. But one second, the solution is right in front of you. 
or a person who has some financial difficulties, praying now, Baruchaleinu, Baruchenu, help me, Hashem. Financial, he starts thinking about his financial difficulties, the IRS, this and that. Who knows what's going on in the person's life? And instead of Kavana, because Hashem is right there, he starts focusing on something else. So that's a problem. That's the answer. Huh? That's the problem. So we have to try our best to think to Mechaven. So the three, let's talk about the three things. So number one, we talk about Yereshamayim. Yereshamayim doesn't going to think Hashem is there all the time. And that is very, very conducive to prayer. Very, very conducive to prayer because that's number one. Hashem is right there. So the first as Yereshamayim implies you can pray anytime. Because you're clinging to Hashem. You're there. Hashem is with you all the time. And if Hashem is with you all the time, you just have to talk. Hashem is with you. You don't even have to talk because he knows it's in your mind. A person can pray internally. Not to be Yotze, the three prayers, but to be Yotze, Avodah Shabalev. Praying internally is connecting to Hashem. So connecting to Hashem, a person should have a conversation with Hashem all the time. All the time. And it's so hard. Because instead of conversing with Hashem, we worry about ourselves. So converse it to Hashem. Tell Hashem your problems. Tell Hashem your worries. This way you're, you're connecting to Hashem. So Yerash Shemayim, we said, truth. Hashem is fatayti v'tach. Open my lips. I can't. I can't open my lips. My lips are full of garbage. My lips were told lies. My lips spoke Lashon You open my lips. I can't. Our lips are terrible. With Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai, asked in the Gemara, he says, Hashem should have created us with two mouths. One for the bad and one for the good. And the answer the Gemara gives is, if you give us two mouths, we speak double bad. <coughs> Who will be one for good, one for bad? Both for bad. So one mouth is enough. But Hashem gave us guards in the mouth. He gave us lips, he gave us teeth. Stop the mouth, stop it. Stop talking sometimes. So let's, uh, so number one is, we said Yerushalayim. Number two is truth. And number three is speak truth in one's heart. Speak truth in the heart. Don't have truth outside, but inside a person says, I want to lie, I want to steal, I want to crook, I can't. You know, I'm controlling myself, but inside it doesn't match the outside. A person eventually is going to work on the inside as well. So by working on the outside, a person's got to know, eventually I'm going to work on the inside. I come for the Kiddush, I come to fraternize, but eventually I'm going to work on the inside, I'm going to work on the Tefillah. I'm going to work on connecting to Hashem. And then we talked about three concentrations, three ways to get concentration. The first one is thinking Hashem is right in front of us, the king. The second one is to imagine angels flying around and going upwards and connecting between us and Hashem. And the fourth one is to break the barriers between us, the wall between us. Okay, we'll stop here. We'll continue with next week with joy. Joy is very critical. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.